Hi there, coaches. Brian Blackburn here again with the Pound the Rock podcast. As always, we want to thank our sponsors through HardwoodTexas.com, Huddle, Waterboy Graphics, Diamond J Metalworks, Tumbleweed Textiles, Jeremy Thomas Agency through Allstate, as well as Modern Woodman Financial and Landon Landry. Today, our guest is Coach Triva Corrales from Converse Judson High School. Coach Corrales earned her 300th win this season on her way to leading Judson to the 6A UIL State Championship the first such championship for a San Antonio area girls basketball team. Coach Corrales, it's an honor to have you here with us today. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's my pleasure to be here and to uh, see if I can help grow anybody else or give some advice that was given to me years back. Well, that's great. We have uh, about a thousand coaches on the on the website, and I know you've done a done a, a hardwood high video of uh, one of your clinics uh, for the for the website as well. So it'll be good to hear from you, and also go back and watch those hardwood high videos of you uh, kind of showing what you do with your program. But uh, go ahead and briefly describe your coaching tree and uh, how you became the head coach at Judson, and some of the coaches that maybe uh, were big influences on you being a coach today. Uh, well, in my uh, 22nd um, year of coaching, not all as a head coach, I had uh, six years as a head coach at Burbank High School. I, I actually did my very first year at the middle school level, but that was a no-go for me immediately. <laughs> but um, I went on and did six years at Burbank High School. Um, I was pretty successful there. We had a couple of district championships. Um, then... I you know, came into contact with my high school coach, uh, Christina Camacho, who was opening up Wagner. And mm-hmm. long story short, I wanted to be her assistant and, and learn how to win a state championship. I knew um, she was going to have an excellent team having Judson split um, into two schools, opening up Wagner. I knew those athletes were phenomenal. So um, we went ahead and went through with that. I was her assistant for five years. I, we did get to one state tournament mm-hmm. appearance, and uh, I learned a lot from her. That was even times where, um, you know, I was the type of assistant that wrote everything down, and I was a sponge, and <laughs> she turned to the sideline and yelled, you know, stop writing stuff down. <laughs> she was <laughs> everything from her, but um, I was able to, to really learn a lot, even though I had been a head coach. Um, there comes a point for me that was, you know, I, I felt like I wasn't growing anymore, and I, I needed to. I needed that. I was craving it. So taking a step back, I think um, a lot of people were against it, including my own parents. I had to actually move back into my parents' home because I couldn't afford to live on my own because the pay was so poor. Um, going from a head coach to an assistant, so it was a lot of sacrifice, but I think it. It definitely catapulted me to where I am now. And, you know, Judson came uh, open a few years later, and, and I knew when that opening came that I was ready and and I wanted to see what I could do with those athletes there. And, and it took a while, but as we all know, <laughs> it, it was I ended up on the good end of the stick. Right. No, that's that's a great story because, I mean, just honestly, I'm, I'm a coach that's kind of thinking about that too. You know, what is it? You know, what are some, some steps to take to continue to grow? Like you mentioned, you don't want to become stagnant as a coach. And as a lifelong learner, you know, sometimes taking a taking two steps back to be an assistant maybe would mean taking four steps forward to being a state championship head coach. So, you know, I mean, I, I totally agree. I think it's, um, 
it's not for everybody, of course, but there's a, I just found myself going to a lot of clinics. I, I think I'm a lifelong learner myself. I love PGC. Mm-hmm. Um, I love clinics. I love going and watching coaches' practices. But a lot of times it's information overload, and then you just get that stuff, and you don't really use it again. Yeah. Or you try it once or twice, and you don't. You kind of go back to old ways. And I knew this way I was going to be forced to actually learn and incorporate and, and soak up that knowledge that Coach Camacho had. That's a that's a great thought. You know, uh, the late great Don Meyer talked about in the spring: gather as many as ideas as you can, but don't use all of them. And so uh, that's right. That's what all those clinics are, are for. Well, uh, you know, since you mentioned that, let, let's talk a little bit about your coaching philosophy. What has changed for you uh, over the last five to ten years in regards to to your philosophy? Now, you know, being uh, finishing your ninth year at Judson, what what has changed in regards to your coaching philosophy? Well, you know, what's changed a lot for us is every year is pretty different. I'll go from last year we had a ton of bigs to mm-hmm. this year. I mean, if you watch the state games, I was playing with five little guards. Right. And, um, you know, that, that's been a big change. But offensively and defensively, um, yeah, I used to run a lot of continuity in my in my early years and a lot of plays, and now I just run a lot of quick hitters. I let the kids, um, you know, we call it being a reading machine. Um, we allow them to actually just play the game. I think that's less predictable. It's hard to scout. Um, I want them pretty much to be playmakers and not just robots and running plays. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, when it comes to crunch time, that's what's going to matter because they're, the other team's going to know your plays. You're going to be very much scouted, heavily scouted, and your kids are going to have to make plays. Um, and, and that's what we did in the state championship game. They honestly just made plays. Right. And But that's that's something that we work on every single day. Um, we spend 30, 20, 30 minutes every day just on individual skill sets. It takes a lot of time away from team offense and team defense, but – Ultimately, it's worth it in the end. Yeah, so, so that definitely changed for me a lot. That's that's a great point. You're, so you're you're relying on your players rather than your plays, and exactly. I mean, we do have plays we run, but you know, as you know, as a coach, you can have the best play in the world, but if they can't execute it, it means nothing. Right. So, I mean, that that has definitely changed for me in the past five to ten years, where you know, not many coaches want to sacrifice that that precious practice time of just individual work and splitting guard post work but it, it has to be done or else you know that defensively it's going to be easy for teams to guard you right now let me let me ask you and dig a little bit deeper with that uh when you're when you're doing a lot of your individual player development uh, is that from your freshman team all the way up or is that mostly with your varsity and JV? How do you how do you start implementing that? Is that something like from the get-go you're doing with your girls or are you going to wait until they're uh, contributors on varsity? No, absolutely not. We, we start that with our freshmen. Yeah. And we actually even do that more so with our freshmen. So yeah. varsity will get, um, you know, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and as the season goes on, the very least we'll do is 15, mm-hmm. but um, they get a little bit less and less just because we have so much um, to tend to as far as the scouting report where the freshmen and JV don't have that. So we actually spend more time with them where they may get 40, 45 minutes of player development. Um, 
and it, and it, it does pay off, and it teaches them the game, you know, as, as well, because we don't just do one-on-one things, but we'll, we'll do short little two-on-two stuff, three-on-three, but, uh, but separate, you know, guards and post work. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that, and talk about uh, building confidence in your players, you know, allowing them to continue to grow and develop, and and uh, blossom as as basketball players. I, you know, as as a player, I would love that. Like, I want to work on my game, and then coach is going right. to let let me let me, you know, continue to to grow as an individual player, and then we can do that to help the team. And so, I I love that mentality. Um, now, uh, you know, thinking back, and and we mentioned it earlier with your coaching tree. What advice would you give yourself? You know. Your, your your younger self, I guess I should say. What advice would you give your younger self about coaching? Well, you know, this this is a this is a tough one that I think a lot of younger coaches, um, hopefully, they can benefit from from my error. But when I was younger, it was it was my way or the highway, <laughs> and whatever play I said, that's what you're going to run. Don't deviate from that. Don't, if you're supposed to pass to this kid coming off the screen, don't go the other way. You know, it, it was just, I wanted everything structured and mm-hmm. like, they were like my little soldiers. You know? <laughs> and now as I've grown and, and I've learned the game and I've learned to embrace and empower these young athletes, um, I empower them so right. much more. They, they're able to communicate with me. They'll tell me, no, coach, let's run this play, not that one. And I'm okay with that now. And, um, you know, having them to be a, a coach on the floor or in the huddles, um, using their voice, and, and also allowing them, they know that they're comfortable to use their voice because a lot of times coaches will say, well, yeah, you speak up, but then when they do, you don't like it. Right, you know? right. So um, having, having the kids be comfortable to speak up and say what they like, say what they don't like, um, you know, even times where I got on them for – what I thought was an ill-advised pass, and then they told me what they saw, but they're able to communicate that back to me. I think that's unmeasurable. So just you know, tell my younger self, hey, you know, let empower these kids, let them have a voice, let them be coaches on the floor, not just you. You know, it doesn't have to be your way or the highway yeah. type mentality. Um, that's what I would tell myself because now uh, the dialogue between my players and the coaches and the players amongst themselves is excellent. That's, and um, yeah. we're able to get things done on and off the court that way. I love that. And so you're, you're building that trust through giving them a voice. And so I think that's, that's huge. And obviously it paid off for, for your team this past year. But, it, you know, it's not just this team. You know, after your first couple of years at Judson, and, and you, you mentioned the split with Wagner, uh you know, and things kind of started getting, you started gelling your team together. Y'all have had a, yeah, I mean, y'all have sustained excellence. Y'all have been one of the best teams in San Antonio area, one of the best teams in Region 4. How, how do you get to that point? What are some of the keys to, you know, kind of developing that culture and that, you know, year in and year out success? Because I think it's harder at the big school than it is even at the small school level. So how does that, how does that take place? Um, I think, you know, just, at Judson, we don't get a lot of transfers. I wish we did. <laughs> <laughs> right. But we, we honestly don't. We just have to work with what we have. And, and so knowing that, um, we, we've hung our hat on, on defense. It's been our trademark. But off the court, this is what, you know, we, we call it the three Cs. We, we want them to excel on the court, 
but also in the classroom and in the community. Mm-hmm. And when we can combine those three C's, it really gets the kids to buy in. It gives them ownership of themselves and their academics and the program. Because sometimes they, they won't excel on the court like we want them to or like their parents want them to. But, you know, if we can say, hey, what well, you're doing great in these other two areas, this will come. Um, that's what, you know, trying to just develop the overall athlete, um, including faith in that, of course. You know, we're real big on that. But not just worried about the basketball player, so to speak, just the all-around player producing great people. I think that's what is behind the scenes that a lot of people don't see um, that keep our kids you know, the number one question I get all the time is, how do you get your kids to work so hard for you? Mm-hmm. Um, they just go through a brick wall, and it's because we care. We care in all areas of their life. We just don't care about how great of a basketball player they are, and we build those relationships. And sometimes it's it's tough times. Sometimes it's, you know, tears are shed and <laughs> feelings are hurt, but in, in the long run, it's, it's doing what's best for them as a complete person and not just a basketball player. Yeah, it's always good whenever the uh, the players realize that before they graduate. Every, I think all of them realize it afterward, whether they admit it or not. But after they graduate, they'll come back and they'll realize coach had my best interest at heart, not just me as a basketball player. But it sure is nice when they figure it out when they're still on the team. So Yeah, you hit that nail on the head right there. And that, that's what you want. You know, we tell our, our kids all the time that, I don't want another coach that's coming to observe our practice to know who our captains are. Uh, we need Our practice should look, sound, and feel like everybody's a captain. Mm-hmm. In that moment, someone comes in and someone sticks out like a sore thumb, then something's wrong. You know, we're not doing our job as a staff to bring everybody along. Um, you know, we tell our kids, sometimes you don't know what to say because learning to communicate is a skill. But everybody can repeat. (laughs) Everybody can echo. So, um, you know, having that and and getting those kids to understand that, like you said, before they graduate, that's that's the mark of a winner right there for sure. So would you say that was a big uh, character trait of your team this season, just the idea that everybody showed leadership and believed in their role? Uh, I mean, along with the talent that you had, you know, you still got to put it together. So what was kind of the... The formula, you know, I don't, I don't know about you, but it seems like uh, every season there's a game or two or maybe a tournament where you feel like, okay, our team's got it. Was there a point for that this year for you guys? Um, you know, I, I knew we were going to have a really, really great team. Um, a lot of people count us out because we didn't have any post players. Right. But, um, I think we, what we as a staff are really looking at is just to get better every single game. Mm-hmm. And um, we did that. You know, we had to take a, a tough district loss to teach a lesson yeah. uh, to my point guard. But um, other than that, you know, I think that what happened last year was, was really devastating to us because we, we worked really, really hard last year, the whole year. And I think Pat, Pat Summit said it best. You know, she said, offense sells tickets, defense wins games, but rebounds win championships. And, <laughs> No one knew that better than us because that's what—that's how we lost the game to Plano. We lost on offensive rebounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so that got brought up a lot of times in practices uh, this year. But even so, knowing that, you know, we knew we were going to go into the state tournament outside. I mean, everybody from um, Allen and DeSoto was six foot, six two, six four, and 
here we are lying about being 5'10". Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> probably like 5'8", you know. Right. But, um, you know, that out, just being outside, we, we knew we had to work on pushing the tempo. Um, controlling that was key for us. Um, working real hard on, on letting our offense breathe. You know, we call that breathing when we, we take the ball inside and then we kick it out and then another pass out and then a, a drive in, just letting our offense breathe. Um, also focusing on distrib- uh, disturbing other people's offense so that they couldn't easily run plays. Uh, so we did a lot of passport trapping, but you know all of these things got better game by game. There was I don't think there was a defining moment because we went our, we went in already um, with a chip on our shoulder. Yeah. Um, from the previous year, so we just wanted to improve where we went wrong last year, and you know that. It was going to be a different task. That's why we had five losses because we had to adjust just playing the guards. Sure. And understanding that we're going to give up some some boards here and there, but you know we got to play to our strengths. Yeah. No, that's that's really good. I really like that terminology. Let your offense breathe. That's something I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that if that's okay. That's that's one of the yeah, reasons. Absolutely, that's what it's all about. That's one of the reasons I do these podcasts. Is yeah, it's nice to put it on the hardwoodtexas.com, but. For me, it's a it's a mini clinic every time I talk to a coach, and so you're the you're the third state championship coach I've talked to for this season, and uh, I'm just gonna steal a bunch of stuff. I wish I could steal y'all's players too, but I'll just steal the I'll just I'll just yeah I'll just uh, take the terminology. Well, um, hey, you know this time of year is is different for every every program. So what is late? What does spring look like? So end of March uh, through early May. Uh, what does it look like for your teams at Judson? Are you letting your girls just kind of get in their AAU seasons? Are y'all doing strength training? What's kind of your focus this time of year? Uh, well, we go real heavy with our weight program. Uh, we'll do an hour of weights, um, and then the rest of our time is all individual workouts. We don't do any, I mean, maybe like on a Friday or sure. open gym, I allow them the opportunity to play, but not really any team concept of, of defensive drills or offensive schemes. Uh, just a lot of getting the kids faster, stronger, and, and better individually. We, we definitely don't want to wear them down for their AAU season. You know, I, I love to work with our AAU coaches, and they don't bother me during the season, and I don't want to you know, bother them. I want to give them the time to be successful and work with these kids as well. So um, I have a lot of respect for them and what they do. Because without them, we wouldn't be successful either. Right. Um, so just a lot of individual stuff, getting a lot of shots up, working on a ton of footwork, um, agility drills. You know, we have a, a saying that, you know, when the defense is tight, you got to get in a foot fight. Um, mm. So we work a lot of on our feet and, and being reading machines. Yeah, I like that. Um, now... You mentioned the AAU, and and I know it's different in anywhere. I I played AAU basketball in San Antonio, and so, but that was 15 years ago. So the scene's a little bit different now. What uh, what are some things that you do to kind of keep that positive relationship? I know some coaches are just so sour on AAU, and some right. think of it as a necessary evil, and then some feel like it's more positive than negative. So how do you kind of keep it keep it positive with with those teams that are playing with your girls? Um. Well, I think it's necessary, but I don't think it's an evil at all. Um, you know, I think they have the same mentality. The thing about it is 
communication is the key. You got to sit down with their AU coaches or talk to them and say, "Hey, what are you guys trying to accomplish?" Because this is what we're trying to accomplish. And and once we can get everybody on the same page and do what's best for that that kid, um, you know, the wins will come. The wins will come for us, and they'll come for them. But mm-hmm. um, just just having that good relationship because it is necessary. Because a lot of times. You know, it's a little frustrating as a high school coach when when other high school coaches say, oh, well, you know, my athlete came back with all these bad habits and now I've got to, re, you know, fix all this stuff. But, you know, to me that should have been communicated. If there's something not going right or something you see, you know, have that, that open line of communication where we, we both can say, hey, what about this or that? I mean, there's been plenty of times where during this state championship run, I've called my players, AAU coaches, hey, what do you think about this or that? Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's just who I am. I'm not <laughs> I'm not too proud to ask anybody for advice. Um, so it just depends. Uh, I know a lot of these old school coaches, they, they feel a little intimidated. But the people I have working with my kids, uh, you know, Ray Caldwell, Stephen Barber, mm-hmm. um, those kinds of people, they, they want what's best for the kids. And they're, they're going to do right by them. That's awesome. Well, that just kind of leads to the next aspect of this, and I'll, then I'll let you go. I know it's hey, it's a Sunday. We're doing this. I've got the the you know Elite Eight on TV right now. But uh, what um, in regards to communication, what are some of your keys to communicating with parents? With parents, um, you know, I think with parents, you just have to have that good balance. Um, I see a lot of younger coaches. They're real standoffish, and you know. Then there's some coaches who are too friendly, and they're friends with them on Facebook and Twitter. And <laughs> I think you have to have that fine line, that balance of of respect, because once you let them cross the line, or you cross the line, um, then it's going to be really tough. Mm-hmm. You know, just the respect, um, the open line of communication. But you know, when there's ever a problem, I tell my parents, I don't want to hear from you first. I want to hear from your kid. No, amen. <laughs> that's who the problem is with. It's with the kid and the coach. Yeah. And um, my parents are really great. But, you know, it's taken a while, though. Um, but they understand that. And and it's very rare that I will have a parent call me or email me or want a parent meeting. Very, very rare at judgment. Yeah. Because they know the expectation. And most times when the kid does come knock on the door, it gets resolved. Yes. And they understand that. No doubt. I, so, I, I'm, I'm 100% with you. You know, the, the problem is, is usually solved with the kid. But what, what we've done, and I, you may be different, but what we've done is if a, if a parent does want to meet, well, the kid's going to be there because they play. So the kid's going to be there. And, and a lot of times it's almost like the kid is embarrassed that we're having this meeting. You know, like, exactly. <laughs> and, then, and like, so... Why would you do this? Yes, exactly. Like I could have come talk to coach myself, but now we're all sitting here and this is like super awkward because kids don't like to communicate anyway, and much less with their parents there. So, and if it does happen, it's usually from the freshman group. <laughs> varsity parents, they already know. They're like, "Well, go talk to coach." <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Well, hey, coach, thanks so much for taking the time this afternoon. Are there any other thoughts or insights that you might have before we let you go this afternoon? for you know other coaches out there don't worry about being undersized or lack of speed or strength or IQ um, I think if you can 
uh, stay competitive and really, really work on teaching toughness, you're going to win a lot of basketball games. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. Coaches, thank you again for tuning into the Pound the Rock podcast. Tune in next time for more great content regarding planning, developing, and coaching the game that we love. As always, I would like to thank our sponsors and HardwoodTexas.com, allowing us to get our basketball fixed 24-7, 365. Thank you again for listening, and make today a great day.